You are going to be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. I'm Ms. Shannon. I am your guide with a great, great uh, just team of amazing experts that pop through here on The Mom Show to help you just get on the road to just getting uh, some free time in your family life sometimes. Because these are <laughs> things that you probably meant to look up, things that maybe you were, were kind of on your mind or you heard a little story someplace and went, I think that applies to me, but I'm not sure. So we take all of the worry away because we give you some great, great ways to like get your family on the road to so many amazing things. And so this morning, uh, from ClearStep Financial and MomsTalkMoney.com, Cassandra Brazier is with us again. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited because every time you come in, you really just uh, clear up some uh, misnomers about what we should do with our money. Mm -hmm. And you explain it in a way that we go, you know what, no matter where you are on the road to uh, financial freedom, mm -hmm. you can help somebody. So mm -hmm. if you feel like you hadn't done it before, Cassandra is a great person for you to help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me again. As I, so um, we just came out of July 4th. So we do uh, talking about um, independence and freedom. Mm -hmm. And you are our guide to financial independence and financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And happy, yeah, happy independence to everyone. Hope you guys all had a wonderful Independence Day. And you're absolutely right, because there's all different kinds of independence. And financial independence is is a big one for people, because if you're not financially independent and you're working on it, there can be a lot of stress along the way. Right. And that's one of the things that a lot of people uh, in life can have and maybe have or are experiencing or will experience some sort of financial stress. And that can cause a lot of issues, you know, outside of even just financially can cause a lot of health issues. So right. it's a real it's a real important matter and very central to a lot of people's lives. So to be able to be in a place where you know where you're going or where you're at, at least financially and what you're working towards to getting to that financial independence if you're not there yet, that's a big deal for people and it can relieve a lot of stress in their lives. And as a financial planner, uh, Cassandra, when people come to see you at ClearStep Financial, mm -hmm. if they're in that point where they go, oh, I've made some mistakes and I feel like I'm I'm so behind, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm anxious all the time, how do you help calm them? Well, it's really good to just sit down and look at where people are. and And nobody should ever be embarrassed really about where they're at. I mean, we've all made mistakes in some area of our life, right? right? And so it's just a matter of, okay, let's just, let, let, let's, let's open up the box and see where we're at. <laughs> yes. And then let's really organize it. And let's say, okay, this is where you're at today. And where are you trying to get to? And how much time do we have? And we look at all the variables and we look at where you're at and what your goals are. And then we start saying, okay, this is going to be the first step. This right. is going to be the next step. This is the next step. And really prioritizing what to start working on and where to go to work, because then you can start to get on track. And and it may not be, this is the biggest thing. It may not be as bad as you think it is, because I think sometimes in our own minds, we make things out to be so much worse. Right. Right. We say, oh my gosh, I, I'm never going to get there. I can't believe I did that. I 
it's going to take so much. I'm never going to retire. Sometimes we have these, these voices in our head that are telling us these things. But then when you actually tear it open and sit down and look at the bigger picture with somebody, you can actually see, okay, actually, that's not as bad. Actually, I did a pretty good job there. Actually, I'm not as bad off there. Well, maybe this was a bad thing, but we can get this on track here, you know, with a little bit of effort. So, and it's just kind of, it's just getting some help and getting a good plan in place and moving forward. And I would imagine that sometimes people are so fearful that they don't even want to look into mm-hmm. some of these things. And that right. probably just exacerbates the problem. It really can. It really can. Because like like we were saying, sometimes people have this fear that it's worse or that they're just embarrassed about X, Y, Z when right. there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's like it's like not wanting to go to the doctor when you're sick because you're embarrassed that you're sick. Well, go to the, you know, get help. And yes. Get better. <laughs> get on track <laughs> right. to your health. Well, this if, is financial health. If you have any questions for Cassandra, you can call us here on The Mom Show at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Happy to uh, help you get on the road to recovery for your financial health. <laughs> we can do that. Uh, remember that also all of this information that we give out today, it is general information. It's things mm-hmm. that might apply to you, but we do encourage you to go and speak to your own financial planner because you might have a specific situation that they can help you navigate. Mm-hmm. I also remind you the securities and advisory services offered through Harbor Investment Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Good disclosure there. Yes. So, yeah, if you have questions, absolutely. I always tell people too: sit down with someone, get your situation looked at. Um, it, there's a lot of good advisors out there. I always also recommend to people um, look for someone who's a fiduciary. Yes. So that you know they're going to have your best interest in mind. And can you mind. explain what a fiduciary and the differentiating yep. differentiation is again? Absolutely. There's certain licensing with a fiduciary that uh, it, it basically says in, in simple terms, right, that they're always going to put your best interest first. Right. And that it's an ongoing relationship. Those are two key things because there's other licensing that other advisors will have that it's only at the time they sit down with you. It has to be appropriate um, but they don't operate in a fiduciary capacity, so their licensing doesn't mandate that they have an ongoing responsibility to you, um, and it just has to be a suitable thing that you that they did with you at that time, but it's not necessarily fiduciary. So there are some fine lines of differentiation of advisors and advising, and there certainly are good advisors that are you know that have more suitability based licensing. So I'm right. not saying those are all bad, but if you don't know that person then you are taking a little bit of a risk with that. Um, and certainly there are fiduciary advisors that probably aren't the best either. So, right. So, but that also, but it gives you a higher, kind of a higher standard to work with well, if you wh- don't know who you're working with. And one of the things that you mentioned before, and also some of our other experts have said that regardless of what field it is where you're looking for someone to assist you or guide you through these things, it's okay to have a interview process. And it's okay Absolutely. that if you don't seem, if there's some reason where they don't communicate in a way that's best for you, mm-hmm. you can look for another one. Absolutely. You know, and I've had that go both ways um, where people have come and we've met and and we we have a great relationship and we can then we work together and we continue working together Um, and there's been a few people over the years not too many but there's been a few that for whatever reason whether it was personality based or whatever it was that we just you know decided to part ways and that's fine too and that's the same like you said with any profession out there you're going to find people that you just feel more comfortable with and that's who you want to work with whoever that is right and we do usually give everybody their general foundation on what we're going to cover and today we're going to go specifically into the uh, uh, we're going to talk about the fun topic of inheritances absolutely and I'm just excited that we're going to do that because 
I think it's another one of those things where you go, well, that is not going to apply to me. I don't have that much money. I'm never going to be able to mm-hmm. give an inheritance to my kids. But we can help you like, oh, well, it's not just for, quote unquote, rich people. We're right. going to have the fun rich people stories. But there's also ways that this can apply to anybody like me that lives in Crystal. Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there's and, and it's interesting because if you look historically how people retired, There was usually three sources of income in your retirement. One was a pension, typically, and then people had some social security, and then they might have some personal savings, right? They might have saved some money along the way, but it wasn't that critical. Right. And nowadays, we have, most people don't have a pension, but some do still, which is great. Yes. And then you look at social security, and I want to touch on this, too, for a minute, because Social Security, we we talked about that in, in extensive, you know, in one whole show. We took a whole right. show on that, right? Yes. And we could have taken probably seven shows on it. Definitely. It's very <laughs> right. all-encompassing and, and very detailed. But basically, we know Social Security, well, we don't know. It's very likely it will change. Yes. Just due to a lot of factors, things that aren't changing, and we're getting to a point where, like, our national debt is so high, where we don't have enough coming in and for the government to be able to continue to pay out what they're promising, right? Correct. So it's just kind of some checks and balances that aren't going to continue to balance at all. Right. And it's going to topple over if we don't do something. So likely Social Security will change, right? So when you look at that picture for people of their retirement, pensions, if you don't have a pension, and if Social Security might change, and what I mean by that is it could be reduced, it could be pushed out further, we could raise taxes. We may have to do all three. Who right. knows? We really, nobody knows what's going to happen. But so when you look at that, really a lot then gets put onto our personal savings. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes really critical. It's funny. So so things increase over time, right? Yes. That's where we have inflation. Um, and we were, um, we were at the Twins game the other night. And it was funny. It, I had this moment of remembering as a kid getting cotton candy. Yes. And then... We had one of our kids there who really wanted cotton candy. <laughs> right. And this is inflation because as a kid, it was a couple dollars right, yes. for a big bag of cotton candy. Right. Yeah, the other day, it was $5 for a very small bag of oh, cotton yes. candy. They're like bite-sized That's bags. Inflation. You're right. Yes. That is inflation, right? <laughs> so um, we actually, we have a lot more information to jump into on this. And I'm actually really excited to kind of help break down some more of these things. And we're going to actually talk about what, is a trillion dollars that's going to come into play here in our next segment and how to actually try and visualize what that is and it's really crazy to think about and we're also willing to take your questions again the number is 651-641-1071 we'll be right back on the mom show thank you for joining us again on the mom show joined by our good friend cassandra brazier from clear step financial and moms talk money it's very easy to find that information because you go to momstalkmoney.com it's also mm-hmm. on facebook yep. and i like the way you just distill the information for people to like it's just good little tidbits that if you found it like out in the wild and like a forbes or something there'd be so many words in there that i'd go sure. i'm not sure what part of this is important to right. me oh absolutely <laughs> now if you have a question too and you don't feel comfortable calling in you don't want to be on the air go to mom momstalkmoney.com and you can submit your question and I always try and get back to people as quickly as possible with answers to things that, that they're just trying to figure out, trying to disseminate, right? And we appreciate that. If you do have time to call in this morning, again, the number is 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And Cassandra, you were talking about basically, you know, it's all over strategies 
to get to financial freedom and mm-hmm. independence. Yep. And that includes trying to get to the point that you have enough not only to take care of yourself during retirement, mm-hmm. to potentially also pass things on for your family. Absolutely. And there's a lot of money that's going to be transferring. And, and we're actually we're, we're in a phase of that also. We've been in this phase where the senior population is passing things on to the baby boomers and other generations. We're in that mode. But over the next 30 years also, they're estimating that about $30 trillion will be passing from the baby boomers to millennials and generations. And trillion is one of those amounts that right. you go, it doesn't even sound like a real well, number. Well, it's hard to conceptualize right. because there's no, there are no trillionaires. No. Okay. Okay. So it's this astronomical number. But if you look at the debt that our government has, we have about $21 trillion of debt. You can go to um, the usdebtclock.org mm-hmm. and you can see in real time the numbers ticking. I mean, I mean you, you pull up that website and I, I recommend people to go to it and you look at all the numbers that are just flying. Wow. And it's not only you can look at that debt, but you can look at each person's portion of that broken down by by people in the United States, because there's what, like over a little over 300 million citizens. Right. Then you look at it per household, how much debt that is. I mean, it's it's mind boggling to try and try, try and understand it. Right. But and then that's usdebtclock.com. We'll make yeah, sure it's also US on the mom's talk. Or dot org. Dot org. Yeah, Thank you very US much. Usdebtclock.org. It's really interesting. You can go back in time and say, look at what was it in 2004? What was it? And you can look forward and they can project what it's estimated to be like in 2022. I mean, it's, it's good to know. It's good to have right. a pulse on this. And this is why it's important. So when you look at money transferring and inheritances and things, again, a trillion to, to conceptualize a trillion dollars, if you stacked a hundred dollar bills on top of each other, yes, it would stack up six hundred and thirty one miles from Earth. <laughs> to put that into perspective, the International Space Station is two hundred and forty eight hundred miles from Earth. That's two and a half times higher than what the International Space Station is. That's $1 trillion. Okay. So we're talking about $30 trillion estimating to transfer, and that's an inheritance, right? That's inheritance money. And that's this astronomical number that, that will be happening. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's this fascinating to me when you go, like trying to visualize it, because that still seems in. Thing, that we oh, are talking about yeah. so much money that is flying around back there, but going, how do I manage my little piece of it? Right. Is what people like you can help me do and mm-hmm. go, okay, this seems overwhelming, but it's really not. Here's your bite-sized chunk of it for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to go to the phone. So Kathy, thank you for calling us here on the mom show. And you have a question for Cassandra from momstalkmoney.com. Good morning. Yes, I do regarding social security and when to start drawing on it. I know there's a break-even point where if you put off, if you start taking it, you have to draw for so many years, and that's sort of your break-even point if you would have put it put off drawing on your Social Security. And what I'm wondering is, is that time universal for everyone, or does it, does it, does it matter how much you have coming to you? And I'll just sit back and listen. Sure. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy, that's a really good question. Um, it, it really can depend on people's situation because... There, so if you waited till 70, right, that's the most you could end up drawing if you waited till 70. Okay. Um, and there is a break even point. But what you want to look at is you want to look at people's whole picture because for some people, there have been scenarios for whatever reason, whether it's because of their health, 
because of their family history, because of other fact, because of their assets, that they started drawing it early or just because they wanted to. Right. And they didn't care if they would end up with a little bit more. They felt more secure drawing early. Some people, it's waiting until their full retirement age. The most important thing is to look at that picture and have a conversation about if you did it this way, this is what you'd be looking at. If you waited till 70, this is what you'd be looking at. But we need to make sure we have enough here in place to get you to 70. Right. And that we're not going to put you in jeopardy to get you there just to get to your break even point of, of of where your Social Security would then, you know, pay out more. So and Social Security is going to be changing. Right. So right. it really depends, too, on people's age and where they're at now. And if you're in a point where you're retiring soon here, then that could be a different situation, too, where you may want to do full retirement age. It really depends. And it's really situational. Kathy, I wish I had a a generic answer for you. Um, but if you have questions and you want to sit down, I'm happy to go through that with you. Just um, give our producer your information and I can get in touch with you this week. Because it is about that mix. Like when we're trying to figure out, well, how do I take care of myself in mm-hmm. retirement? But then how do I also, as we talk about into this inheritance piece, yeah. how do I also try Because you, as you've mentioned before, Cassandra, there's no crystal balls. Right. We know that things are changing. We don't know how they're going to change yet. But all we can do is try and put in as many safeguards as possible. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to can uh, work on that mix mm-hmm. where do you uh, suggest that people begin as we are working on that mix if we're talking about that because is it you know really the the because uh, when we say inheritance i guess we need to kind of go over that the the definition as well because that right. includes not just stacks of money but it also is your life insurance and property right. or just stuff right? right well so yeah exactly when you get into the inheritance side of it there's there's the two different sides that we're going to cover today and And we're going to talk about passing on an inheritance and certain things that you should be kind of looking at if you're the one planning that. And then also if you're the one receiving it, because there's a whole different set of things to be able to look at and and plan for. The the biggest thing, and I know we go over this, um, but we'll talk about the seven steps a little bit later here and, and how that would play into either of these things. But when you're transferring money, if you're the one that's passing it on, um, there are there's a lot of things to look at. Excuse me. One of them though, is to make sure that if you're at a point where you have so much that you're just wanting to start giving assets away, that's great. Okay. There's a five year look back. So if you're in that window where it could affect being, if if you're planning on wanting to go on to the government's aid for long-term care or anything like that, possibly there's a window of people where if you have so much money, you would not, you'd probably wouldn't get to that point anyway, so it wouldn't matter. All right. But if you were close to that and you were planning on that and that was your plan for your long-term care costs, which that's a, you know, that's a, that could be another show too and why you may not want to do that. Right. But there is a five-year look back. So it's good for people to be aware of that, where if you were to give a bunch of money away and then you needed care and you wanted the government to step in, they would say, well, if it's been within five years, they'd say, well, you need to get that money back because you can't just give your money away and expect us to cover this for Fair you. Fair enough. Okay. That so, makes sense. All right. So there is that for people to be aware of. Um, but then if you, if you go beyond that, there are ways that you can gift money, um, if you have, you you can have money go to kids, grandkids, charities, could go to your parents, could go to other relatives. Um, but it's good. To, the biggest thing is to have some kind of an estate plan. Okay. Because otherwise, like if you look at what's going on with Prince right now. Yes. He passed away in 2016, right? It's over two years now. And, <laughs> excuse me, that's still, he, he had no estate plan. 
He was he was advised on many many occasions, from what I understand. I wasn't in those conversations, right? But I've read those but, articles yeah, as well. Where that he's says been we advised, should sit this down right. and put this all put this all to pen, right? Mm-hmm. And he said no, and he did not want to do any estate planning. And so two years later, none of his heirs have received a single dime out of his estate. The only money that's been coming out of his estate is attorney fees and fees to continue this process. And it's, I mean, it's costing, aside from the attorney fees, his estate is paying over 125000 a month just to keep this process going and all these fees to trustees and things and people who are just trying to figure this out and, and detangle everything. So it can be a long, arduous process if you don't have, now this is an extreme case, right. obviously, but there's no resolution in sight yet. And this is another reason why when you bring these up, like when we talk through your seven foundational steps and we start talking about planning for retirement and then planning for after you pass on and people mm-hmm. normally go, well, that's the sad part of it. And you go, no, this is actually something that you should look at as a positive because right. you're championing something that will then be one less thing. Not only do you have to think about, but you know that your family uh, won't have to think about later. Absolutely. And, and, and if we want to bring it down to a narrow, uh, I'm sorry, a more, real life focus I remember my my grandmother hadn't didn't have a will and she hadn't done anything so my mom had to go through all of this effort Mm -hmm. to her house went into probate I think it was called Mm -hmm. and she had to do all these even though we were currently living in the house with our with my grandmother at the time Mm -hmm. when she passed and she didn't have anything written out we had to go through all of these you know legal hoops just to prove that yeah it she it should pass on to us because we're her family right no absolutely so it 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 makes it a lot easier and it can actually, it can save, you think that, oh, our kids will be, they'll be fair about everything and they will, you know, it won't be any issues with relationships. And sadly, that's not always the case. Right. Um, because you never know what other external situations may be going on with that child at the time. They might be going through a difficult time. They may be stressed financially. And so a little bit extra would help them. So it can really help to keep peace in families if you put a plan in place And if you're willing to communicate that to your family, too, and just kind of let them know, that can be really helpful, too, because then there's no surprises and there's no, I mean, you know, again, the more you can communicate and the more you can plan ahead of time, having a good plan in place is really a big deal. Well, what's the next step that you'd like to cover regarding inheritance when we get back? Yeah, we're going to talk about some other key factors that can play into making sure that the most you have can pass on to your heirs. And we'll also continue to take your questions at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back here on The Mom Show. The Mom Show here on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Shannon Cassandra Brazier from ClearStep Financial and MomsTalkMoney.com has joined us again this morning. And we've been talking about inheritance. And, and Cassandra, I just want to, again, just include or let people know what gets included in inheritances because you hear it right now and it sounds like sure. one of those those big fancy words mm-hmm. that people think that doesn't apply to any of us that live in the normal first ring suburbs and it that's not the case <laughs> right? No, right. that could be again anything because mm-hmm. if if there's if you're someone and you don't it's less complicated if you're married and you have a spouse and whatever you have is going to go to your spouse right that's a lot more of a simple process Mm -hmm. but it's when if it's going to go to children or if it's going to go to grandkids or if it's going to go to parents or if it's going to go to other relatives that are out there or a charity then it's more a little bit more of a planning process that you want to go through but even I mean even if someone in their 50s passed away where maybe it wouldn't be an age that you would say oh well they've retired and they're they've lived a long life but could be premature right but even like that someone they could have a 401k maybe 
They could have some life insurance through work if they're still working. Okay. They could have, maybe they have some money in the bank. Um, they could have a house. It could be at least partially paid off, if not paid off. You, you never know the extent. I mean, that's, and that could easily amount to half a million plus. Wow. Yes. Right. If right. you think you, about yeah. it, when it all mm-hmm. adds up. So you may not think, well, I don't really have a whole lot to pass on. Well, it, you know, when you look at all of it, because you could easily have, you know, a chunk through work through, like I said, even life insurance that way. Right. And we're going to talk about how to, if you don't feel like you have a whole lot to pass on right now, also, how to, could you, how could you have more to pass on if that's something that's really important to you? And life insurance can be a great way to do that, to have something to pass on because it's a way that you can really leverage money that you have. And it could be, you may want life insurance for a number of different purposes, but also something to pass on could be one of those reasons. Maybe right now you're working and it's a way to be able to replace income if something happened to you um, and to help cover any kind of debt that's out there and maybe to help cover any kind of last expenses that might be there if something happened. But then it could also be something then that you hang on to and you want a permanent policy because then it could be the money that you pass on to your kids or pass on. Some people, if they do have a large estate, they'll use life insurance monies to help maybe pay for taxes even because there could be a lot of taxes due depending on your estate situation. And then instead of losing a big chunk of your estate to pay for the taxes, life insurance can also help with that. So there's lots of different ways life insurance can come into play for it, but it can also be a way if you don't feel like you have a lot, but you want to leave something more right. and you're in, you're healthy and it could be for other reasons also, that could be also a way to do it. Perfect. And if you have any questions, again, you can always call us at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. So we were covering, whenever we do life insurance, I think that's really interesting because you always make it sound like that's such a good investment. And I know that it kind of scares people because you're like, I'm paying for something I'm not going to use. And you always give real world examples of like, Mm -hmm. no, you are using it. Well, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of policies. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a tight cash situation there's policies that are extremely inexpensive and i know we've talked about this before where they've they've never been less expensive really because of the life expectancy and how that continues to grow with with the increase of better health and so forth and so that brings down the cost when you get a term policy because then you're less likely to die within the time frame that you have that term policy right so that's a way to at least get some kind of coverage for your family for a period of time then there's permanent policies. And again, there's a whole lot of different types of those, but those can actually, those can add on then additional things that they can cover. So it's like we, we've talked about too, right? When you're buying a car, yes. do you want more bells and whistles? It's going to cost a little bit more, but it also gives you this, 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 and this. Right. And so life insurance can also, when it's used the right way and put together the right way and makes sense, it can be used as an investment vehicle too. If you want to use it for taking money out at some point or even helping to draw some money out in retirement, it can be used that way. It really has to be set up right to do it. Otherwise you can't, it won't, it won't be there to do it that way. Well, the other part of that puzzle you and uh, had said about that can just add up that you don't think about were all the mm-hmm. property assets. And so right. that's not just land. Right. There's a lot of things that have some value that you would go, oh, that's part of the inheritance and something that would be passed on. I mean, there's, a, I mean, a friend of, a good friend of our family, she has this large collection of Barbies and things. Oh. I mean, that those are collectibles, but <laughs> yes. there's lots of different types of collectibles out there, right, that people may have that also have a value. And so there's also ways of being able to monetize that 
and pass that on, right? So, so how do I, because let's, let, we'll use my mom as an example. She had her little eBay store of stuff that she has. So all these different things. So what should she do to prepare those kind of things for my sisters and I um, to go, well, I don't want, I, I'm leaving you these things. Mm-hmm. But is, should she, is there a process that she should go to, to like to catalog these things or, or put it in the will? Like what happens if you just have stuff that you want to leave? Yep. And so... Well, first of all, so if you have them insured, that can be helpful, too, because then you've put a value on them. Okay. And so, but beyond that, having an estate plan, having some kind of an estate plan, sitting down with an attorney and going through kind of the legal side of how that would all work would be really helpful for her to look at that and say, well... I want I want Shannon to get all these little tchotchkes <laughs> and things, right? Right. <laughs> so then then she can direct what she would like, how she'd like things to be broken up and split up and so forth. And that's what a will or a trust does. I mean, again, if, if you look at what's going on right now with Prince, it's all mm-hmm. public because yes. there was no plan in place and so forth. And, and you can go online to the see every single document that they put, if you have six months of your life to waste, you could go through every single document (laughs) back from like April 25th of 2016 and start looking at every single thing that they did through court. It's all public. So having a trust, it's private and no one knows the different assets and things that are going on there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And then you had also talked about like, you know, what you would call like non-traditional assets. What kind Mm -hmm. of things do that, what kind of, what's included in that category? Right. So even like that Barbie collection, right, would be like a non-traditional asset. Um, If someone had like a gun collection or if they had baseball cards. My swords. Your swords, your (laughs) samurai swords, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. things that have a value, like you look at Pawn Stars. Yes, all those things would be like non-traditional assets and things that you have a value, um, but it's not like an IRA that you have or your 401k. And so we we talked a little bit about like if you have assets and you want to prepare to get them taken care of. Now, the other thing is, is that it does matter where you pass away. And that was something that we talked about. There was Forbes did an article, where not to die in 2018, right? right? <laughs> Which is funny to think about. Um, but there are the two states that would be the the biggest in tax wise because only certain states have an inheritance tax. But Massachusetts and Oregon, and it's where the person lived. It's not where you live. So if you have an inheritance coming from a different person in a different state, you may not even know about it. Right. Um, but it's where they lived and where their residence was. But those two states have the the lowest exemption level, if you will. So you'll end up paying the most taxes. You'd have to talk to, again, you know, disclosures. You talk to a CPA, talk to a tax person that could really help you walk you through what the ramifications would be of that. But, but then those are, yeah, those are basically the two well, one toughest of the, states. One of the things you had mentioned earlier um, was the fact that there's certain time limits on what you can do with your money and they may look back five years on certain things. Right. Does your uh, location for those kind of taxes, does that matter? Does it have a time limit or it's, well, so you lived here for six months, it matters, you lived here for... You know, if you not to be morbid, but let's say that you were just trying to plan ahead and Mm -hmm. you go, well, maybe I need to move out of Oregon Mm -hmm. and I'm going to move to Florida. Is Mm -hmm. that is that a good strategy? They're not going to look at you and go, oh, you just left because you were trying to get out of the taxes. You know, that's a really good question. Um, That might be a legal question. Mm, I'm trying to think of how we could figure that out, but I don't know the answer to that. But from the guidelines and so forth, it said your, where your resident state is. So Fair enough. my guess, which again, I don't know, you'd have to check with an attorney, would be if that's your resident state, if you got it through, I'm guessing they would honor that, but I don't know. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you can look at that. In Minnesota here right now, ours is um, 2.4 million is the exemption point. Um, but they're planning on increasing that to three million by 2020. Okay. So again, it's just going to depend. So if you if you're on the receiving end, and again, you may know or you may not know that you're receiving an inheritance, but right. it could be cash, it could be in an IRA or a 401k or some kind of retirement account that that person had, could be in a Roth, it could be life insurance, it could be property, or it could be some of those other random assets that you didn't know. And Ethel collected all those, right, <laughs> exactly. all those years. So it could be any of those kinds of things. But one of the biggest first things to, to look at is what are the taxes on this? Because you don't want to receive a distribution of something and then a year later realize you owe all these taxes on it. Okay. So so figure out first, talk to a tax person or a financial expert or advisor to look at, okay, what do we need to do from a tax planning standpoint? Because for some people, they're, if they don't need the money right now and they want to be able to look at it for really leveraging their entire picture because because a lot of people that receive an inheritance, it's gone within five years. Mm. They've done lots of studies. It's almost like people that win the lottery, right? Right. They get this windfall and they can actually be worse off over time than they were because sometimes what people do is they, they step up their lifestyle, but it's short term, right? They don't have a sustainable income that's going to last that long. So then they spend it all down but they bought a bigger house, they bought bigger cars, they have more taxes, they have more expenses, and then all of a sudden they can't cover that. Got it. So for people to really look at their bigger picture when they receive an inheritance and maybe they carve out, well, let's maybe take some of this and either take a vacation or spend it or do something now, but to help spread the rest of it out can be really beneficial for people. Um, also from a tax standpoint, because instead of paying all the taxes on something, if it's if it's going to cost you a lot in taxes, there's ways you can spread that out too over time so that you're not hit all at once in one year unless you absolutely needed it. So sometimes if you're saying that your lifestyle was maybe not, you know, the the pinnacle of the most glamorous lifestyle, but mm-hmm. you guys were enjoying your, your quality of life, right. it makes more sense to go, well, how do I pay myself maybe like draw a salary off of this inheritance? Right. Or even push it out because if you can even push it. So one of the, there's been some studies and I don't, I don't know the, I don't remember the exact study off the top of my head, but I know there was a study done where they found that it wasn't that you had to have the best lifestyle out there, but if you were increasing your lifestyle little by little every year, that's where people really felt like they were being, like they were able to enjoy themselves financially and things. If they were able to do a little bit more the next year than they did the year before. And so a you felt bit the more, growth. Yeah. Right. You felt like the growth and like the there was some increases. Yes. So there, there could be ways to do that if you got an inheritance where maybe you take a little bit, like you were saying, you could take an income off of it. That's another option. Depending on how the assets are situated, there's lots of different options and things people can do. Um, but yeah, the first thing is just figure out what you're going to owe in taxes. Because <laughs> some states have inheritance taxes and some don't, and some are, and they're all different too. Um, and I think Sonny is going to also post um, a link to an interactive map that shows the different states that have certain taxes and things so that you could look at that if that's something that you had questions about. Wonderful. We'll make sure that is on the Mom Show page. And we're going to come back for our final segment. And what are we going to cover in that? Well, we're going to go through, um, if you do get an inheritance, what are some of the steps that can really help set you up the best financially? Perfect. And we'll be right back here on The Mom Show on My Talk 107.1. 
Good times here on the Mom Show on My Talk 1071. Cassandra Brazier from Clear Step Financial and MomstalkMoney.com is with us. And uh, we've been covering what to do if you want to have an inheritance that you can pass on to somebody, and also what to do if you get an inheritance from somebody. Mm-hmm. We're also taking your questions at 651 641 1071. And a lot of the information that we start with here um, on the Mom Show whenever Cassandra is on her, the seven steps to find the five, the seven steps for your financial foundation. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, a variety of that now regarding an inheritance, right? Right. Okay. Right. Absolutely. So if you are, if you're at a point where this could be expected or unexpected, right? All of a right. sudden you receive some kind of an inheritance and you, let's say that you've figured out how much you have after all of the taxes or anything else needed to be taken care of. So you've got some money to work with. What if you really want to maximize it for your future, long-term future, not just maybe for the next year or couple years, but if you really want it to help set your family up or set you up for a really strong financial future. So look at the the first thing you'd look at after you figured out all the other expenses, look at any debt that's out there. Right. You'd want to take care of any debt, especially high interest debt. Then look at your short-term savings. Make sure you have that three to six months of a cushion. That's a big deal. If anything happens or if anything comes up, you have that slush fund to work with. And if you have that already, then you can go on to the next step, which would be looking at any other kind of insurance. And that could be life insurance, and you could look at different options with that. Or it could be possibly if you're at an age of, if you're in your maybe late 40s to 50s to early 60s, that could be possibly even some long-term care options. And when you have assets to work with too, there's lots of other long-term care options out there versus just traditional long-term care that people have done over time. And we, we've talked a little bit about that, too, in the past. But there's lots of long-term care options. Um, and then your long-term savings. So that would be the next thing to look at is how can you use some of this money to really position yourself well for your retirement goal? Can you maybe shorten up when you retire? Can you move that date a little bit sooner, possibly? Right. Or could your lifestyle be a little bit greater than what you thought it could be? Um, and, and we looking. mean your retirement lifestyle is what we're talking right. about. And and I think that's interesting the way that you're you're using these funds to think about your future, mm-hmm. not necessarily going, well, I am going to immediately have this impact my lifestyle right now. Mm-hmm. It's here's how I can also think for what's going to happen years down the road. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and because that can really it can make a, a tremendous difference in your future the more you can put towards your future, the more, the greater the lifestyle you'll have, the less you'll have to even think about Social Security, whether it's there or not there. Right. If you have a pension or don't, the more you can just rely on yourself and get to that financial independence that we started out talking about this morning and, and getting people to that point. But the sooner you can get there, whether you want to work or not, it completely changes your whole being, really, because you, you know you don't have to go into work. Yeah. You may want to. But that's great. Go into work then. Keep working. Keep picking up a paycheck. And you also mentioned that that also gives you a chance to do some of your hobby jobs or goal mm-hmm. jobs or something that might be a little different. So you don't have to keep the traditional job that you had. Right. Now you can go, well, I still need income, but I'm going to do something that gives me joy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've had people that say, well, now I'm there. I want to work for a nonprofit. I right. know I won't get paid as well, but I don't care. Right. I want to go do this. It makes me feel good. Or I want to go traveling and I want to volunteer or I want to join the Peace Corps or I want to 
what do you want? Exactly. But that, cause then you have all those choices and options. And if you can do it sooner, then hopefully you have more time in your life that you're younger and healthier to do some of those things. Right. I know that uh, you notice a lot of people are trying to get to that goal quicker mm-hmm. and more quickly than you used to. Cause it would be like, I'm going to retire, then I'm going to do all these things. And so instead yeah. it does seem more like, no, how can I extend the, uh, po- uh, the points in my life that just give me joy versus trying to lump them all up at the end. Right. Okay. And there's ways, there's lots of ways to still try and match maximize that future but still enjoy things along the way you still want to and that's where we've talked to at certain shows about those midterm accounts because that plays a piece in there too you want to have an account that's there so that you can have money to spend along the way you don't want to completely be you don't want to shut yourself off from right. any <laughs> enjoyment along the way just trying to get to that retirement you want to enjoy the process perfect and another thing that we've mentioned before Cassandra we've ta- brought up the uh, subject of trust slightly and it sounds like Betty has a question on some trust good morning Betty hi I hope you can hear me okay yes, yes. all right so um my 21 year old um is my only son single mom and i um have been i have a nice nest egg but don't plan to retire for six more seven and eight more years but anyway he's engaged to somebody and i'm not supporting the relationship and i wonder what i can do um just to to make sure if something happens to me that the money isn't just Yeah, well, that's that's a great question, Betty. And putting some kind of estate plan in place will give you all sorts of different um, abilities to put stipulations on things. If he's 21 at this time and something happened to you now, you could you could put in there. He can have this percentage when he's 25 or if he's in college, when he finishes college, he can have this much when he's 30. He could I mean, you can put all sorts of stipulations in there. Um, you'd have to talk to an attorney as far as how you could have any kind of control once it got into his hands as far as his spouse or significant other at that point. Um, Because that, I think that's a little bit more tricky, but that's not my specialties. But what you could look at now is just having some kind of an estate plan in place now that would put certain stipulations so that at a young age, he didn't have this huge lump sum of money that could be a challenge for him to try and navigate and be responsible with. So you, you can do certain things now for how it would pass on to him. So where the money just stay, stays where it's, it's at? Well, so there would so, there could be some kind, you'd have a trust, right. and then there's different ways of structuring that you could work with. If you had specific questions on things, you, you can give your information to our producer, and I can talk to you offline and maybe get a better idea of maybe what some specific suggestions would be. Because Cassandra and Betty, it sounds like when I was going through the process of setting up my trust, and mine was slightly different because it's a special needs trust because mm-hmm. of my son's uh, sp- scenario, that was one of the things that the attorney asked me as well. How do you, who do you want to be the executor of this? Right. Who, because that was one of the things I didn't know, where it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, you can have somebody totally different right. in charge of the trust, even though it's going to pay for things for my son. Right. Um, and that was something that was very important to me because okay. I wanted to make sure that someone who, who I believe, because you, you don't know what's going to happen right. after you're gone, but someone who I believe was like-minded in the way that I thought about money mm-hmm. to make the decisions about the money. To take care of your son. Right. And yeah. so I picked somebody that I thought was, and again, you say this all the time, Cassandra, there's no crystal balls, but I did pick somebody that I was yeah. like, they. she's on a similar mental page that as mm-hmm. I am on how these funds should be distributed right and that was very helpful and is actually it gave me a lot of uh, peace of mind so hopefully that works out for you too betty 
thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I will do that. Thank you. Hold okay. on, and producer Sonny will get your information. We'll follow up with okay. you. Okay. Thanks, Betty. Because I think that that's a great question, and I think that Betty is a great example of why it's okay to think about these things now. Because right. it's something that's on your mind. And so it once, is. yeah, once I had it all laid out, I'm like, I honestly, until it brought we brought it up again this morning, I hadn't even thought about it. When I used mm-hmm. to think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are those scenarios where either maybe your child is special needs and you want to make sure they'll be taken care of because you know they won't be able to directly take the assets and be able to handle it. So you want someone that can help them. Or maybe you have that one child that you know it's going to be gone in six months, so you want to right. make sure it lasts for them too. There's different ways of doing that. Yeah, estate planning can be really helpful. Well, so I know we, we're getting ready to wrap up, so we're going to put yeah. a lot of this information on the Moms Talk Money page that mm-hmm. you can go to momstalkmoney.com and also on the Mom Show page. But I can we just get your financial tip of the day in here? Absolutely. So if you're over 50... Your tip is is to look at your catch-up contributions. If you can if you can squeeze out some extra money that you have, you can add extra to your IRA or Roth IRAs. You can do $1000 extra a year, so instead of 5500, it's 6500 if you're over 50. Um, and also your 401ks, if you have a 401k, 403b, 457, some of those types of plans through work. Um, most of those will allow you in usually to add another 6000. There are certain stipulations there, but Typically, if you're over 50, you can add extra to your plan, and that can be a great way to catch up, especially if you feel like there were years that maybe you didn't put enough towards it or as much as you wanted to. So, But if you have other specific questions, reach out, momstalkmoney.com. Um, reach out to, to uh, the you website here. You can always here. hit us up here, and you can go to mytalk1071.com, keyword mom show. And of course, again, we'll remind you, momtalksmoney.com, and also Moms Talk Money on Facebook. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks, Sandra. everyone.